to the Monday edition of the Bill Michaels Show. Packers get a win. Brewers take uh, three out of four. And I don't think you could stink anymore if you had to, if you're the Wisconsin Badgers. Welcome in. Not a great weekend for the Badgers, but uh, Packers offensively, we got some stuff to talk about. They get a win 14-12, to 12, but after the fumble by Aaron Jones on the one-yard line, this team never recovered. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense pitched a shutout after that, and it was all shotgun all the time. The pressure wasn't overwhelming. Uh, I started to get into this a little bit yesterday. It was just uh, what I thought was not great play calling. It was semi-predictable. It was, as many of you put it yesterday, were we watching the old, late version of the Mike McCarthy offense? Was, what the hell? It, it just They just went away from what got them there in the first couple of drives. Now, don't get me wrong, Tampa Bay does make adjustments. I get it. I understand that. Uh, but did they make an adjustment to the where the Packers just couldn't play anymore? Was that it? Uh, was there things being called at the line of scrimmage that weren't right? Offensively speaking, it was not a great performance after that first quarter. After, well, I should say after that, after the first few drives. Uh, defensively, the the Packers were magnificent. They They played their rear ends off. That defense was what we thought it was and played extremely well. And Devondre Campbell came up big in the biggest moment, tipping the uh, tipping the pass on the two-point conversion, and the Packers walk away with a victory. So solid effort defensively yesterday. Offensively left a lot to be desired. Aaron Rodgers, 27-35, 255 yards. Sacked one time but was under pressure more than a few. Uh, and in addition to that, you had um, a uh, a pick early on in the ball game, and the quarterback rating of one of three point nine. Tom Brady, on the other hand, thirty one of forty two, two hundred and seventy one yards, sacked three times and pressured numerous times. One bent knee brace after a weird slide, and the uh, knee brace he was wearing dug into the turf. Had a touchdown. And a quarterback rating of 98.4. But both teams, defensively speaking, were pretty much able to shut down the run. The Packers didn't really commit to it. They ran the ball a total of 24 times. That was it for 68 yards. Aaron Rodgers had one carry for a negative one, so it brought it to a total of 67. Uh, Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette, 12 carries, 35 yards. That was it. His longest run of the day was six yards. The Packers said they wanted to shut down the run, and damned if they didn't. That's exactly what they did. So, anyway, uh, long story short, it was a win when many of us thought at the beginning of the season you chalked it up as a loss. It was a win, but they, uh, but we had chalked it up as a loss. I, I still thought the Packers would lose in a close game, and I said it wouldn't surprise me if they flip-flopped it. However, however, fresh back from the big house in Michigan, one Ben Kenny producing the program today. Ben, do you remember when last week I said – how many touches Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon would get? I don't remember the number. I figured it was a lot. Oh, I remember the number. No, I said 29 total. It'll be less, anywhere from 10, 7 to 10 less this week than last week against the Bears. They had exactly 29 touches. Exactly. By the way, wasn't I 2-1 in my uh, 
my against the spread predictions? You did. I went one and two and bringing up the rear as as usual. You're now four and five on the season. So almost yeah. average. Almost back to uh, back to even. We'll see what this week brings to us. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it, it, they they got away from when this team. I have no idea. We saw it happen in the NFC Championship game when Aaron Jones fumbled the football against Tampa Bay. After that, the Packers were done. We saw it last year against San Francisco. Mercedes Lewis fumbles away the football on a big hit. Packers were done. This game, Packers, Aaron Jones fumbles away the football on the one-yard line. All of a sudden, it goes to this protective, preventative, candy-ass offense where they get scared. And I have no idea why. And it's, it's, uh, it's baffling to me. Why, if they turn the ball over... They suddenly can't operate. They just don't have the physical capability or the mental wherewithal any longer to operate at a normal procedure. I don't know why. It's like they get scared. It just it it boggles my mind that every time we see a fumble, as the team is driving with you know three straight drives, where here you go, here you go, here you go, they're just handing them their ass, and next thing you know, nothing. Can't do anything. Can't do a damn thing. After that fumble, after that fumble, the Green Bay Packers went three and out punt, four plays, 17 yards punt, three and out punt, three plays interception, four plays punt, three plays punt, four plays punt, and then they finally got a drive of 37 yards together, still ended up punting it away because they didn't even cross midfield, and then the one kneeled out for the end of the game. That's the way they went. That was it. I have no idea why they go in that direction. They had more plays in the first three drives than they had pretty much the rest of the game. I I, I don't know if that's Matt LaFleur. I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers. We'll never know. We'll never know. They're never going to come out and say, well, Matt called this all day, and Aaron got to the line of scrimmage and wants nothing but shotgun. And, and to do these little stutter step handoffs and these quick outs. And I mean, after that, they virtually were in shotgun the rest of the day. And I don't know if it's because Josh Myers is getting his ass handed to him or what, but they were in shotgun the rest of the day. And the stutter step run game was zilch, which I think is garbage anyway. It just, it, it, it the offensively, they got conservative and they stunk. It's a win. You take it because we, a lot of us thought they would lose this game anyway. So I'm happy they got the win. They're two and one. They get to come back and face the the New England Patriots, as we had mentioned last night. Mac Jones down with a significant ankle injury. They're calling it the X-rays were negative, uh, but they're calling it a a high ankle sprain. We all know that basically means he's out for at least two to four weeks. So Mac Jones will not be throwing in this game. It's going to be the mighty Brian Hoyer, the mighty Brian Hoyer going against the Green Bay Packers. Now that's not official yet. But you would have, and Bill Belichick's not going to tell you anything. He's going to tell you Mac Jones is around. Uh, he uh, is in the building. Uh, he's prepping. And uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll I'll let you know. But uh, Mac Jones is our quarterback, and he's a quarterback because he plays football for the Patriots, and that makes him a quarterback. Uh, okay, Bill. Thank you very much. Bill Belichick's dog's probably going to the podium all week for the uh, veil of secrecy. So in the meantime, Packers get a win. We're going to talk with Mac Matt Mitchell of the Action Network coming up here in just a little bit. He's going to be joining us. Uh, We'll talk with him a little betting stuff from the weekend and also get the line on tonight's game. Also, also, 
Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette breaks it down at the top of the next hour. We'll get the film side of things. Zach Heilprin is going to join us today in the mid-portion of the show. We have got, I know today is a Packers Monday, but we've got to talk about that pathetic performance by the Wisconsin Badgers at the shoe. I mean, they didn't even have time from one end of the bench to the next to say, let's go, and they were down 21 to nothing. I mean, it was a terrible performance. Terrible. And had Ohio State not kind of taken their foot off the gas, they would have beaten them by 65. That was an embarrassing performance. That was an embarrassing performance. So, uh, I was uh, I was thinking that the Badgers would keep it close, but that was an embarrassing performance. Terrible. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. The Mike Clemens, the final hour of the program, going to be all over it today. So on a uh, Green and Gold Monday, a Packers Monday, a Victory Monday, talking a lot about this contest. Uh, this was from Joshua, who says, what is wrong with Matt LaFleur, and why can't he call plays after the first quarter? I don't think it's after the first quarter. I think it's after a turnover. I, I, Joshua, I agree with you. I don't know what happened. I Numerous times I had stated I don't understand why it's all shotgun all the time and you, you, you don't get uh, your running back with a head of steam at all. You don't get a chance to really even show a different look to a defense. They pretty much know what you're doing. And regardless, they're coming. Whereas when you when you talk about being a down lineman, down defensive lineman, th- you're already in the backfield. So they're just coming. They're crashing and coming. They don't have to take a stutter step. They don't have to stop at the line of scrimmage. They don't have to worry about a pass. They don't have to about, be, worry about a guy getting behind them because in the split second it takes to get the ball back to Aaron jo- or to Aaron Rodgers to hand it off to either Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, they're already coming. And the pressure's in your face. I, I, I just... I don't I don't get it. And I, I didn't hear anybody ask the question. Now maybe I missed it last night and I was listening for it, but nobody said, Hey Matt, why are you in the shotgun all the time? The second half of that game, really since the fumble, you were in shotgun the entire time. And it was really a conservative play calling effort. Why? It seemed like Randall Cobb got loose. It seemed like at times Alan Lazard got loose. Romeo Dobbs yesterday, solid performance yesterday. He got loose a, a few times. What you did early on with motion and movement and and dictating where the pass was going to go and the run was going to go, and even if you weren't getting giant yards, three, four, five yards, but your, your, your first and second downs after that, after the fumble, were crap. You're in third and long situations pretty consistently. You didn't have a lot of third and twos and third and ones. You were third and four, third and seven, third and five, third and eight. You you were dictating to them, or they were dictating to you, I guess, what you were going to do on third down. And again, you're in shotgun. You're you're always in shotgun. So uh, I became frustrated with it. I don't understand it, but. Maybe Matt LaFleur at some point or another will explain why that is, what the philosophy is behind that. Maybe we can find somebody else to tell us. I don't get it, but uh, I look, I understand there's certain times you go in a shotgun. No problem. But <laughs> uh, the entire game, that I don't get.
Uh, this one's from uh, this one's from Derek. Derek says, "Unit, uh, I thought the Packers played well, but not great yesterday. But a win is a win in Tampa Bay. We should just take it and be happy." Derek, take the win and be happy. But as I said yesterday, and I said this time and again, and there were people that said, "Well, are, are you? What I think? I thought they won. Why? What are all the complaining about?" I said, "You know what? I did the same thing last year. I talked about special teams. I said there's problems there. What? It's a win. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter." If there's a blemish on this team, you point it out. That's what you do. Just because it's a win doesn't mean everything's right. They can go 16-0 and and still look bad. The year they went 15-1, and and they played Kansas City. Romeo Cornell was, the, uh, was the, uh, the head coach, but Romeo Cornell, obviously more of a defensive coordinator, had that defensive mentality. And when they got beat in that 15-1 and season, Gary Ellerson and I were talking, and I said, they – just gave the blueprint how to beat the Packers. Because up until that point, teams were kind of afraid of all the wideouts they had, of all the weapons. So what Romeo Cornell did, he said, you know what? Screw this. We're going to punch him in the mouth. So they played press man at the line of scrimmage. And I mean, they harassed him. They got physical with him. And damn, if that's not what the Giants did at the end of the season. There are things, there are tells that you can see that you can say, this will hurt them. Circle it because this will hurt them in the long run. If they can't, if they get to the postseason and the team's really astute at watching some of these games and saying, "Aha, here's an Achilles heel, here's a problem," and that's what San Francisco did last year. Packers were rolling through the season, thirteen, fourteen wins. We're all good to go. Everybody's. In the, we're going to get the weather. We're going to get snow. We're going to get them at home. San Francisco's coming into town. This is going to be great. Defense played great. Offense, not so much. Not so much. That was on Matt LaFleur for the uh, mixing and matching of the offensive line. But the one thing San Francisco and their defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator said at the end of the game was, we knew we couldn't go toe-to-toe with them, but we knew that we could beat them in special teams. And they took their shots, and all of their shots paid off. So when I say there's a problem here, and you want to go, well, it doesn't matter because they won, just circle it. I'm not saying the end of the world's coming. What I'm saying is circle it, because if that's how they get beat in the postseason later on, that means Matt LaFleur and his staff didn't do their job to fix those problems. And every time this team seems to turn the ball over on a driving fumble, when they really got it going on, they tuck their tail and run. And that's a coward's team. That's not a team that's aggressive. That's not a team that's going downfield. That's not a team that wants to continually just put the heel of their boot on your throat and grind you into the ground. That's not what they do. They cower. They get conservative. That's what they've done. Three times now we've seen it happen in in games of significance. Let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome in. Glad to have you. Hour number two of the Bill Michael Show. Everybody on the network now. Love it. Hey, don't forget, coming up Wednesday night, we're back out on the road, the Bill Michaels Huddle. We're at Bullwinkles in Brookfield. Now, the old location, no longer there. They knocked that thing over as uh, they're building a massive complex on the corner of Barker and Blue Mound Road. But Bullwinkles is in the old Mama Mia's down behind Cops in the Galleria down there. So we're going to the new Bullwinkles coming up Wednesday night. We're going to be there. So look for us. Come on out and say hello. Looking forward to seeing the new place. I have yet to go in there since they uh, since they moved. 
They just opened up, I guess, I don't know, about a few months ago. But uh, just been so damn busy and haven't had a chance to get over there. But it's the new Bullwinkles, not the old one, the new Bullwinkles at the Galleria. And uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing the new place. Looks like the the building itself, the patio, everything outside, really, really nice. So uh, going to the new Bullwinkles coming up on Wednesday night. And that is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Eric Branchak of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, breaking it all down, joining us now on the hotline. And, uh, Eric, I, let me start out by asking, why in the hell did they run nothing but shotgun? Very few snaps under center after they fumbled away the football. I, I, I can't I, – I have no, no answer for that. I, I don't understand the play calling. I think uh, we, we saw it. it. Go back to the NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay when Aaron Jones fumbled, the playoff game last year against Mercedes Lewis when he ended up fumbling, and then this game in Tampa Bay with the drive going on and then Aaron Jones fumbles, and it seems like after that the play calling goes into a shell. I can't figure it out for the life of me. I, that's, that's a, I, I don't know either. I would think, I mean, okay, so – you know me. I'm a ground and pound. I like keeping the ball on the ground. That you know what we got a lead. Let's grind it out, right? Let's just stand yep. back there. We'll put two backs in the backfield um, and just hand the ball off, and you're going to stop us. We're going to sweep you. We're going to power you. We're going to run uh, counters, and we're going to run on third and four. We're going to run play action pass. Let you guys stop us. I, I don't yeah. know. I I don't know. It's, I've never been in their coach's room, and I you know to 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 understand that. But a lot of times, this I know this about offensive coordinators is they outthink themselves more than defensive coordinators outthink them. Right. That's yeah. No. I I I, I I I get it. I just I I wish somebody. You're you're never going to get a straight answer out of Matt Lafleur, but I just cannot fathom why they take away that aspect, that extra little dynamic of their offense because they just want to go shotgun all the time. All the time. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. All right, let's talk a little bit of defensively speaking because this team, I thought, played extremely well. Even after Jair Alexander went down, they were able to pick up where they left off. And for as much as we talk about the lack of scoring and the lack of offense and such, boy, the defense played their asses off. A D-line was something yesterday, huh? I mean, yep. seriously? That was Starts with Kenny Clark. Of performance. Absolutely. And don't don't forget Jaron Reed and uh, Dean Lowry. Both of those guys held the point of attack um, very good. And, what, you know, one of the things that's been kind of a bugaboo for years has been the, on the edge. Um, but you talk about Smith and um, Gary being able to, to hold, to set the edge and let, make things. I mean, you don't have to worry about the edge a whole lot with uh, Fournette anyway. But the guy had 12 carries for 35 yards. And if you watch that game, they they really shut it down. They forced uh, Tampa Bay to have to throw the ball. They, you know, that, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If Tampa Bay was going to move the football, they had to do it on the arm of, uh, of Tom Brady. So they made him a one-dimensional football team just by uh, the, the way that they played up front. And they got after the passer from the uh, from the guys with the hands in the dirt. Um so, you know, heck, Jaron Reed got to push. Uh, of course, Clark did with, with, with his uh, pressure on the quarterback. They didn't have to blitz. Although they blitzed a lot, 
they didn't have to do it to get to the quarterback. It was, I thought, best defensive performance as far as the front seven goes probably in some time. The last drive, and I was trying to explain this, it wasn't necessarily a big-time prevent defense. It's just you're just trying not to make a mistake and to try to keep everything in front of you. Now, I thought that, for the most part, the first drive of the game and that last drive of the game were probably the two worst-handled defensive drives that the Packers have had or that the Packers had in that contest. But I understand they're trying to keep everything in front of them and not allowing them or not trying to make a mistake to allow them to score. However, again, that soft preventative defense doesn't necessarily pan out. Well, you know, and you, you, at that point in time, you're hoping that you, you get to the quarterback with the brush. Um, and, and a lot of things, this, so everybody asks me all the time, why do they do this? Why do they do it? Because it's a heck of a, it's pretty easy to move the ball from the 20 to the 20, right? You've got a lot of room to pass. You can run guys all over a bit. Once you get inside the 20, that field is pretty short. And when you get every, every yard, you get closer to the end zone. That field is pretty short. you got seven or eight guys back there or six guys, depending on how you're playing, that are packed in there. And you got a, not a whole lot of range for people to go around. So you, if you have a level of success that you got to feel good about, that they gotta they got to navigate through all these trees and – you know what? They it doesn't always work. <laughs> it's easier to play defense up from the twenty than it is from the twenty going in from the than from the twenty going out. Because it's really hard because um, you got a lot of space and you, and you got to try to figure out how to fill all those gaps. The the defense I thought played well, but specifically after Jair Alexander went down, the secondary really didn't blink yesterday. Even without Jair in the field, I thought Rasul Douglas, he had a couple of moments that weren't great, but I thought overall played well. I thought Rudy Ford had his moments in special teams yesterday. I, I think there was a lot of good, especially in the secondary. I, granted, the pressure up front was good, and that always has something to do with it, but I thought the secondary played really well. Yeah, you know, and they play. They played a lot more man yesterday than they played in a while, and some of that is because you know you got they were pretty depleted there. Uh, but they also made the decision that they wanted to um, they sent a backer. I mean, they sent Quay Walker very, very uh, um, frequently, and so they were playing some man behind it, or in some cases they played some zone too. So that was it was you know it was a situation where those the guys in the secondary. Let's face it, they're quarter their wide receivers weren't very skilled so if there was ever a game that you could be down a guy they could have lost probably another guy and been okay uh, but, they, but admirably they came up and filled in the run they you know you said hey let's keep everything in front of us and that's what they did they caught the ball tackle him. I mean, you just got to tackle you can't every ball can't be can't be defected or deflected and every ball can't be picked but every ball can be tackled and that's they did what they were supposed to do i thought it was pretty good how much better are special teams? Boy, kind of night and day from the preseason, right? You know, they right. added some folks, and, you know, that Rudy Ford, boy, he seems to like to get down the field, and they showed their discipline. But I guess, you know, punting, you never really get too excited about the punter, right? But you know what? They got him dialed in, and some of that is <clears throat> his coaching and them having him um, doing what they want him to do. And I thought they kicked the ball and kick off into the corner, uh, a couple of times, that's that's pretty nice to be able to say, all right, we're, we want you to return it, but we're only gonna, we're going to give you the ball between the sideline and the numbers. Good luck, you know. And that was pretty good stuff. I I really 
you know, you don't get too, again, you don't get a whole lot excited about kickoff and punts, but there are some things there to feel good about. Yeah, I thought, because uh, I saw some people say, well, Mason Crosby can't kick it into the end zone. And I said, well, wait a minute, he's kick, he's directionally kicking, and he damn near put it on top of the pylon. So I thought overall it was he did exactly what they were asking him to do. They were moving the ball around, and then when he wanted to kick it out of the end zone, he kicked it out of the end zone. They had a couple of touchbacks yesterday as well. So I didn't think it was a bad day overall, kicking-wise in special teams. No, you want to kick the ball, it's like cornering a rat, right? You kick that ball down right. there by the, you know, inside the five-yard line between the numbers and the sideline. There's not a lot of place to go. So it really helps your coverage team to be able to kind of squeeze them into that corner and, you know, worst case scenario, you run out of bounds. Best case scenario, you you, you get them to fumble or something. But you know, I, I really, you know, that's an art of football that I think a lot of people miss is being able to put that ball in between the number and the sideline deep. And you know, it takes you got to a you got to have a guy that can do it. B you got to have a coach that's going to teach it. So I mean, because there is a place for it in football. It's not just kicking it out of the end zone or kick it up straight up in the air so that they can fair catch it. Let's let's let those guys have the ball, and we're going to have at it. Let's tackle them. Let's get fumbles. That's where big plays happen on, in, uh, on the return or the kickoff coverage teams. So, you know, it's, it's part of football. That's, you know, sadly, it's, it's a part of football that we all, that's when we go use the restroom or go to the refrigerator. You know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. And if you watch closely, there's usually a lot of guys getting worked up pretty good. It's good stuff. Talking with Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, breaking down yesterday's contest. Packers get a win 14-12 to over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bakhtiari ended up playing uh, 35, I think, of the 62 snaps that he was eligible to play, and I thought did a pretty good job. So when he finally comes back, how's that offensive line going to look in your eyes, do you think? Boy, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about that this morning. What are you going to do with Diamond? You know, it's nice to have a guy that you can float around and feel good about having in a backup spot. But I tell you what, I don't know if there's not some way to get him on the field. You know, I, I really think he's, he's playing pretty good football. And uh, they put a lot of time developing him. And I think it would be almost a sad thing to say, all right, you're back on the bench and you don't get to play much except for on specials. So I, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if they slide him to right guard or if they feel good about Elton Jenkins. Because, I mean, where Elton Jenkins really excelled was that guard. Maybe that's in the long run that's where he goes and Diamond goes to the right tackle at some point. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't talk to those guys, and they don't talk to me, that's for sure. Um, all you can do is look. But I just think it would be a hard time to put Diamond on the shelf. Don't you? I, I do, and when you bring up Elton Jenkins going back to guard, now the question becomes, does he for the money? I mean, I, I would assume he does not want to go back to guard. If anything, he wanted to play some more tackle and, and continue to watch his stock rise and, and get that bigger payday as a right and or left tackle. So, I, I, I'm boy, it'd be tough to convince you know Elton Jenkins to go back to guard, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean... When he was at guard, boy, the way that the way they're run blocking right now, him and Myers teamed up next to each other would really be something pretty cool. Those guys are, um, you know what? Maybe physically he's not ready to play guard either. You know, they ask their guards to move around a little bit, and 
he might not be there right now after the injury and needs another year before he's really because it's not physically it's mentally right when you guys coming back from ACL he might not might not be ready but yeah I don't know I, I don't know if Nyman can play guard but or if you want him to play guard but I, I just think it'd be hard to put him on the yeah I do too and I mean you know granted you know, money for guards is going up, but you still make your money playing tackle. And I can't imagine that uh, any one of the, either one of those guys want to go become a full-time guard all over again. Then again, the more you play, the more opportunities you get to get looked at. And who knows if injuries come along the way where you're going to be doing uh, even more. But then again, the versatility factor in all of this, that you can play in different areas, that you can play guard, you can play tackle, you can play other areas, that also can be beneficial to a contract. So who knows before it's all said. Now, give me your thoughts on Josh yeah. Myers at center because I thought he gave up a couple pressures yesterday up the gut. Yeah, there there seems to be some communication issues up there <coughs> a little bit. But I'll tell you what, I'll take him in the running game over just about anybody. Um, not only are there very few centers that, they, that teams pull centers because they're normally not very athletic, this is a big man with long arms. He's only in his second year. They got him pulling around the corner, and he is not only just going out there. Like sometimes you see big guys run around the corner and they go and fall down, or maybe try and get in someone's way. He is he is engaging. Um, I really like the way he comes up to the second level and gets linebackers when they're asking him to. Um, but I, I yeah, the past the past game probably gonna have a little bit to polish up on there a little bit, but um, I. I tell you what, with the, with the way the Packers have to play right now, I would give him up in the run game for for all the tea in China. He is good. The uh, the Romeo Dobbs eight catches yesterday, eight for eight when it came to targets and receptions. And the one thing that I like about him and Aaron Rodgers mentioned it after the game, he's plucking them out of the air with his hands. I mean, balls that are that are line drive rockets. He doesn't bring it into his body at all. I mean, it stops in midair when his hands get around it. He seems to be really kind of what they've been needing, what they've been looking for. Christian Watson, not so much. And Romeo Dobbs has really become kind of the step-up guy. 73 yards yesterday, nothing huge, a 21-yard reception and a touchdown. But give me your thoughts on Romeo Dobbs and his progression. Oh, man. You said it there. All, all the, the speed, the hands, those are things that everybody can do. I mean, you either can catch or you can't, or you can run or you can't. But the part that is really intriguing for me and has really kind of opened my eyes a little bit is the way that he, like you said, he's developed is some guys just don't get it. And, and they have all the speed and they can catch their, you know, they can do all of those physical attributes, but they don't have what it takes upstairs to make sure that they are doing the right thing, making sure that they're seeing the same thing the quarterback sees and turning the right way when they're supposed to turn. So instead of an, oh, I got to turn in because this is, I got a safety coming from the outside. I got to go in here. I got cover two. I got to make sure I turn this skinny. And you see a lot of times, especially with young guys, that the balls are missing them by a great distance. Generally speaking, that's not because the quarterback's bad. It's normally because the wide receiver hasn't figured it out and where he needs to be. And you saw it in the first two games with Romeo Dobbs. The first game turns the wrong way, and uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't go back to him for a while. And then you saw against the Bears where he didn't get his head around fast enough. The ball comes out, and the ball is in his lap before he even knows what's going on. 
but you didn't see that. So you, you're seeing the progression of a wide receiver who's a rookie and making those things. Now, the next thing that he would have to do, and, and this is the hard part, is if you watch Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is a magician with how he puts his hands up at the last second to get the ball, or he leans into the guy and then turns and because the ball's floating towards the sideline, he'll lean into the guy towards the middle part of the field and then be able to create space so he's got space to catch the ball on the sideline. Those are the little things that probably take a little bit more time for a young receiver, but if he can get to that level, then he's going to be special. But right now, the development you've seen with him over the past couple weeks and the preseason, it's really good. It's got to be promised. you got to feel really good about what you got in that young man. Eric, good stuff, man. We will chat again next week. I appreciate it. Oh, man, sounds good. I hope uh, hope you had a good time, and thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely, pal. Talk to you soon. Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us for a couple of minutes at Eric Baranchek 1, at Eric Baranchek 1. You can find him over on Twitter. Brought to you by our good friends over there, Growth Law Firm. Growth Law, supporting and sponsoring Wisconsin motorcyclists for over 11 years now. They take care of life's difficulties. When you're concentrating on just getting back on the open road, and don't forget to name one of the nation's top 20 best motorcycle injury attorneys uh, by Biker Justice USA with thousands of miles ridden by their staff, their riders as well. That's growth, G-R-O-T-H, growthlaw.com. That's growthlaw.com. We'll get back to the phone calls when we come back. Got a lot more to get to. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.